Good morning and welcome back to our services. If you're just joining us here today, we're thankful that you've tuned in to worship with us this morning. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to just begin by reading in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is a gift, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So last week we began in Ephesians chapter 2, and we talked about this experience from being dead and then being made alive in Christ. And I said those words about a thousand times, I think. And the experience that I felt after reading that was just, you know, I was joyful. I was, I was, I was very excited to just continue to study this and say, you know, all of us were dead at one point. And that was such a special thing, just reading this, that Paul is saying all these things, right? Paul is including himself and saying, all of us were dead at one point, and we have been made alive. And we look and we say, okay, is it because of how great a person I am? Is it because I attend Bible class? Is it because I do all the different things I do for the church? No. We are made alive by Christ through grace, through mercy, for his love for us, who is rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ. We talked about it kind of being an inner resurrection that Jesus does within us, that no man or woman could ever do outside of Jesus, that he performs that resurrection, making us uh, alive after already being dead. And so we talked last week about being alive and just how great it is that this love of Jesus that's able to do that for us. And now there's more good news. And I, and I was hesitant to break this up into two parts, but I think this second part is super important because I think a lot of times you can look at a lot of churches, a lot of Christian people, and, and they could be alive, right? They can, you know, be doing all the right things. They can have a healthy church and they can seem like they're alive and they might be doing great things for the kingdom. I'm not trying to take away from that. But what I think Paul is calling us to here in Ephesians chapter 2, the latter part of, of 4 through 10, is not only to be alive. We recognize that we were all dead and we've been made alive. But Paul is calling us to thrive. Not only are we alive, we are called to thrive in the name of Jesus. And so I guess the question is, is what does it mean to thrive? We use this word, you know, outside of you know, the Bible. It's not even written here. That's kind of what I'm taking out of this text today. When I read Paul's word, it seems like he's saying, not only are you alive, but you're being called to thrive. And so I guess the question is, what does it mean to thrive? Okay, you might hear about this. I love to watch um, survivor shows. And the, the latest one I've been kind of watching is that show, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, called Alone where you know, these people, they get dropped off in the, Ar in the Arctic and they have like 10 things they can bring with them. It's pretty intense and it's a really intense survival show. And um, one of the contestants on the show, she made this beautiful shelter out of just like, like 
like the trees. And I, 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 could, I could not believe the shelter she was able to make. And she kept saying like, I don't wanna just survive out here. I wanna thrive out here. I wanna win this competition in a landslide so that when they come and get me, I'm just living my best life, right? She wants to be in a situation where it's like, oh, this is just like home. I'm thriving here. I'm not hungry, I'm not thirsty, I don't need shelter. I have everything I need here. And so I kind of thought about that. I also thought about different ways in life where you know, I felt like I was thriving. You know, I, I would you know hesitate to say this uh, because I'm not saying that I'm a great you know musician or anything. Um, but I remember um, when I was about in high school and <clears throat> a group of guys we were we were in a band together and we just clicked. And it wasn't like we were making these like you know record uh, you know these great records or whatever. But it was just fun to do, and we were clicking clicking together, and the band just thrived. We were making music. We were having a lot of fun doing it. And so all these experiences, I'm sure you've had experiences like that too, where you just have this feeling where everything clicks, where you're feeling joy, you're feeling, you're, you're proud about whatever you're creating and that you can say, you know what, I'm thriving in this situation. And the, the definition that I'm kind of working with here after thinking about my experiences and hearing and thinking about other people's experiences is that to thrive is to experience freedom and comfort to grow and to be who you are. And that sounds kind of like an oxymoron, but I think it's true because when you're in a situation where you're able to thrive, you feel free. You don't feel like people are, you know, looking over your shoulder, you know, micromanaging you. You feel comfort by that. You feel that you're not being pressured to do anything. And while you feel this freedom and comfort, you feel free to be who you are as your true self. But you also have that freedom and comfort to grow, to, to become more, right? And so to me, that's what thriving is all about, right? To have uh, freedom and comfort to be who you are and to grow. And this isn't just a personal experience. Like I said, a lot of this has to do with your surroundings. In order to thrive, you shouldn't surround yourself with you know, bad people or a bad environment. That's not going to lead you to the best situation where you can thrive as a person. Not even just like take the Christian aspect out of it. If you're just trying to thrive as a person, you don't want to surround yourself with people who are just going to t keep you down and not let you grow. You want to surround yourself with people in an environment where you can grow. And not to talk about uh, music too much, but I just think about when I was around 11 years old, my dad got me my first guitar and uh, I had no idea what to do with it. I had taken piano lessons. I hated piano lessons. Uh, I wish I would have kept with them, but that was kind of my intro to music. And my dad brought me this guitar when I was 11. I thought, oh, great. It's going to be kind of like, you know, piano. I'm not going to like the lessons. I'm not going to like my teacher. It's going to be boring. But I was so wrong because my dad got me lessons with this guy named Daniel Yancey, one of the greatest, you know, musicians that I've been able to work with, an amazing teacher of kids. That's a special skill. If you can teach a kid how to play music, that is, it's insane. Okay. And Daniel was awesome because he let me feel the freedom and comfort to be who I am, but he also helped me to grow. And I'm not claiming to be a great guitarist or a great musician, but in that environment, I was able to thrive. I was able to learn and grow and feel freedom and comfort to do those things. And I think it's, and like I was saying before, it's not just a personal thing that you do within yourself. It's about the environment that you put yourself in. So when we think about what Paul is saying here, 
He's not just calling us to be alive, right? To be alive, you got to have a pulse, right? He's not just calling us to that life as a Christian to just have a pulse. He's calling us to thrive, to be in an environment, to surround ourselves with people, and also to be that for others, to allow others to thrive in there. And we're going to get to, I guess, later on about what it means to thrive in the church, what it means to thrive as a Christian. Excuse me, my voice is not 100% still. Um, But when I think about this text, I cannot stop thinking about the the parable of the prodigal son. And in Luke chapter 15, we have this very common parable. Excuse me. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I, I might just read a few sections of it. But the prodigal son to me kind of embodies this idea of what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. Right? We have this kind of death. We have this resurrection of a, of a person. And then we have that next step, that thriving step that we're talking about today. So you're familiar with the story. Just briefly, we have these, the, these two sons and, and, and the father. And the, the younger son says to the father, give me my inheritance early. The father you know, gives him his inheritance. And then the younger son does what many of us would probably do with a large sum of money. He spends it. He wastes it, right? And he gets into this situation where he has no money, he has no friends, he has no allies. In a sense, this man is no longer alive, right? If we were talking about in the biblical sense. He is dead. He is dead to the world. He's by himself. And he's at such a low spot that he says, you know, there's these pigs over here. I am so hungry. Even though I'm a Jew, I'm going to subject myself to this kind of unclean animal and be just like them. I'm going to eat that food because I'm so hungry. And while he's eating this food, he has this realization, you know, my father, even the hired hands my father had around his place ate better than this. And I bet that if I went to my dad and I said, I'm sorry, and, and, and just have me around as a hired hand, I bet you he would, he would do that, and, and maybe he'll do that. I'm just trying to think all the feelings this younger son must be feeling. Right? He goes from this status where he has this inheritance to even have. And then he goes to rock bottom, as we might say. And then he has this inner dialogue where he's like, maybe, just maybe my father would accept me as a hired hand. And of course, you know the story. But this is one of my, one of my favorite images in all of the New Testament. This begins in um, Luke 15, verse 20. And so the son, he goes, uh, he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He, the father, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I just love this image where you have this son who's experienced kind of a death this separation from the father. And he's thinking all the worst things are going to happen. My father, he, he's thinking he's going to be mad. He, he's, going, he, he's going to be angry. Maybe he's going to possibly maybe let him be like a servant around the, around the house. But that's not the image that we receive here. While he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with anger, sadness. No, he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Continuing in verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, 
bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring a fattened calf, kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and it is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. My son was dead and he is alive again. And there's no wringing of hands. There's no, well, I told you so. There's nothing but love. Put a ring on his finger. Put some food on this plate. And let's celebrate because my son is alive again. To me, this is the ultimate expression of what Ephesians 2 is communicating to us. We were dead, but we are made alive by the Father's love. There's nobody else in the prodigal son's story that could have made the son feel the way that he did than the father. Nobody has that power. The son maybe could have, you know, found some friends and, and they could, maybe could have consoled him in a way and said, oh, your, your father probably doesn't think this way. But there will always be those what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. The father is the only way that we're able to reconcile that feeling of distance. The father is the only one who can make something that was dead alive again. And not only alive again, not only a hired servant within the house, but put a ring on his finger put some food on his plate. We are called to thrive with the Father. Ephesians 2 says this in a less, I guess, story way. But it says, but he says right here, uh, verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. He has seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That is love. There's no other way to describe what takes place in that story of the prodigal son. That's love. There's no other way to describe this incomparable riches of grace, or however you want to say it, other than love. You can't, it, it, it's, there's no words to describe the depth of love that the Father has for us. But the problem is, and this is kind of where it's on us now, okay? The problem is, as Christians, sometimes we're just satisfied with being alive. We're just satisfied with having a pulse. We're satisfied with being on the ventilator with our spirituality. We're, we're satisfied with the bare minimum. Yes, I recognize up here that I have been made alive by Jesus, but that's it. That makes no sense. It's like if you went to, on a, on a flight, and the person at the counter says, hey, there's a free upgrade for you to go to first class. You have the last seat back next to the restrooms and the plane, but there's a, free, there's a free upgrade for you to go to first class. Do you want to take it? And you say, no. I'd rather sit back there and have to you know, deal with all the you know, back end of the plane drama, right? Makes no sense. You would never say that. But that is how we live as Christians sometimes. We are satisfied with the bare minimum when, when Christ says, yeah, I've made you alive, but not only have I made you alive, I wanna put a ring on your finger. I wanna sit you in the heavenly realms with me. We say, that's okay, I'm good. And so the question that I have, I guess, I, and 
like I say almost every time I preach, every time I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. Why is it hard for us? Why is it hard for me to thrive? Why is it hard for me to thrive? I think a lot of it has to do with the feeling that we need to earn everything in life. Right? There's this old, you know, mantra of like, I pulled, I, I, I earned everything that I did in my life. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I earned everything. First of all, no, you didn't. It's impossible to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Um, that's just, that's another, that's another sermon. I, I say that all, all the time as well. But we feel like we need to earn everything in life. We need to earn a promotion. We need to earn our, our, a, a different wage. We need to earn whatever it is. And what Ephesians is telling us and what the whole life of Jesus is saying is you don't have to earn it. You just have to surrender your love to me. Surrender to my love. And that's the hardest thing about this is that in order for us to inherit these incredible riches, we have to come before him saying, I need you. We sing that song, um, Just As I Am, like the newer version, where the bridge goes on the lines, I come broken to be mended, right? I come wounded to be healed. I am desperate to be rescued. That is the posture of someone that we would call in the world weak, but the, that's the posture that we need to have before Christ in order for us to recognize that we need Jesus. We need for him to make us alive because we are dead. And when he makes us alive, he also takes us by the hand and puts a ring on our finger for us to thrive. The first thing, that, why is it so hard? We think we need to earn everything in life. And Jesus is saying, no, you couldn't earn this even if, even if you tried. You earn this through my love and through my grace. We feel like we need to earn it. Number two, why is it hard for us to thrive? In order to thrive, we also need to be in an intimate relationship with the Father. You see, in the story of the prodigal son, we, ha we have a little bit of an aside with the, with the older brother. But you got to think, the days after, I don't think the younger son says, all right, like, thank you for accepting me, Father. Like, now I'm going to go back and do those things over again. My imagination says, okay, the younger son probably recognizes that he needs the father and for the rest of his life, he's going to do everything that he can to be closer and closer to the father because he recognized just how far away death is and how bad it can be. In order for us to thrive, we need to be in an intimate relationship with the father and that just doesn't bode well for most people because that involves a giving of yourself. Because like I said before, nothing that we could do could earn this grace. But in response to the love and the mercy that we receive, we are also created to do good works in the name of Jesus. And those good works are not just good works to build up our, you know, our resume of being a Christian. Those good works are there to help us to know the Father deeper. Because the more that we do stuff in the world of in the world for people, the more we get to know and understand who Jesus is, right? We get to know and understand who God is in this world. And when we are his hand, his feet, that is us clinging to the Father in an intimate relationship. When we sit and we are silent and we are saying, God, speak to me, that is when we go into an intimate relationship 
with the Father. And that is how we truly thrive. But that is difficult. Because we have to give of ourselves in order to receive that type of love. In order to really feel that type of love, we need to give of ourselves in a, in a way that's it's really different from pretty much everything else we do in life. But we are called to thrive. We are called to not just have a pulse, not just be on the ventilator with our Christianity. We are called to thrive in his name. We have the tools, but do you have the will and the want and the desire because the father is going to see us from a distance, right? Like the prodigal son. And I, I keep bringing that up, but I love that imagery. He's going to see us at a distance. And when we acknowledge the father, he's surely going to acknowledge us. At the call to worship, I, I read from John chapter 10, verse 10. It talks about how Jesus has come to not just you know, give us life, but give us life to the full. Being a Christian isn't supposed to be this depressing act that we just walk through life and that we're just kind of just existing. No, we are called to thrive in the name of Jesus. So how can we do this? Really, I think it's the opposite of what I just said is the reason why it's difficult. I said, one, why is it hard for us? We feel like we need to earn it. I think the first thing we need to do is surrender. I talk about surrender all the time. Give up control and give it over to God. And number two, I said, why is it hard for us to thrive? Because it's hard to have an intimate relationship with the Father. Seek the Father. Seek what He is doing in your life. And my, the thing that I want to add to that is that that is a difficult task. But the good thing about being in a church is that there's a lot of people who are at a different part of the journey that are there to help you along the way. Please use that resource. Please don't look at it as an intimidating task that's too big to overcome. It's, it is a big task, but it's not intimidating to overcome. It's a journey. It's a process. Let us help each other along this way, along this journey. Let us process this together. Right? It, it, is, it is easy just to be alive. But we're called to much more than that. Let's thrive for Jesus this week.